Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as host Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. This is your host, Mike Abadir, and I am joined by Gino Bacola. As always, we've got a great show for you today. A lot to talk about in the sports world, college football national championship game, the NFL playoffs, and we've got a very interesting guest They'll be joining us in a few short minutes. You don't He's need a- to set it all up. We can talk right about Bama and Georgia right oh, now. I'm excited to talk exactly. to Bobby Derby. I'm know- excited to talk oh, to him. He's well, I, I got He's some a hero. Bubba Derby stories. I got He's some, Bubba a hero. some Bubba Derby stories. How about this? When when uh, Bubba was 10, I was coaching him in, uh, in AYSO in Arcadia and soccer. And Bubba was one of the best players in the league always. He was always very good. But, you know, his his uh, sport is baseball now, but he was excellent soccer player. He's an excellent athlete in general. And we were playing in a, in a, one of the championship games and Bubba, he didn't, he always would get mad at me because I, when I uh, coached him, I took him from forward and I made him play like my deep sweeper in the back, like the center of the back in the defense, because when he played forward, he would get a little lost. He would score a goal or two a game, but then the re- like the rest of the game, he wouldn't be involved. When he played defense, he would see the whole field, and there wasn't one player on the other team that could get by him. And he was aggressive. But the best part is he's he was ambidextrous when he was like 10. So he scored two penalty kicks in a game at 10 years old, one with his left foot, one with his right foot. When he After he hit the first one, he comes jogging up for the second one, and he's lining up to kick the ball from the opposite side, and the goalie is just in the back, poor kid. He is just shaking in his boots. He's like, did this guy just blast one from the opposite side? And then he comes up, and he blasts one the other way. Uh, I've, I've had the privilege of knowing Bubba, who will be our guest a little later on since he was um, eight, nine years old. Um, I went to high school with his sister. I know the family very well, and... Not only is he an incredible athlete, which I think you saw in some of the videos where he's jumping sure on tires. Did. Oh, uh, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. he, uh, he's a good kid. He really is. He, he's a good kid. And he was involved in the uh, the big shooting in, um, involves. He was unfortunately um, a victim um, in the big shooting that was in Las Vegas just a few months back. We can get him to mention a, a little bit about that. But he, he was um, was able to really – kind of hold strong in a crazy time and he was directing traffic he was he saved uh, lives straight saved up. lives yeah, yeah. No, there, and he's made friends um that that, re- that was an experience that really uh, binded together the the people that were able to come through and it's uh, it's a miracle that he's still with us and the family's still with us um his his brother-in-law is a, a firefighter so was when when they were there between Bubba and him, they were really able to kind of keep cool when um, in the, in that situation. And I've just heard so many positive stories. And we've heard Bubba; he's been on TMZ, he's been on ESPN, and he'll be all over the place telling his story. Um, and so we're very happy to have him with us today. We'll talk a little bit about that, but we want to talk baseball with Bubba, and we want to talk uh, about the fundraiser that he's got going on this weekend. So we'll uh, we'll pick his brain on that. He very, had good cause. Incredible- very good yeah. cause. So um, uh, yeah. I'm excited for him to get that information out to all the listeners. And he, dude, he had an incredible year last year. He was kind of bouncing back and forth between Biloxi and Colorado Springs uh, at AAA. And um, 
you know, his last four games, he was three and zero. He went twenty two and two thirds. He gave up only seven runs in in uh, in the twenty two innings, and he had seventeen strikeouts and six walks. He had a three game spurt earlier in the year in June when he went seventeen and two thirds innings, and he gave up one earned run, nine hits, and and one walk with sixteen strikeouts. So um, he can bring it, and he was well, what I like to see is. He was coming out of the pen earlier in the year, but then he was starting a lot at the end of the year. I think all of his games for Colorado Springs for the Sky Sox, he was starting. So, uh, yeah, he's got the versatility. I know uh, in, uh, when he played at San Diego State, and I'm very curious to ask him about uh, Tony Gwynn. I'm not sure how much uh, Coach oh, yeah, Gwynn was, 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 was around the team when he was yeah. ill or whatnot. Well, he but, well. yeah. you know, he was um, he, used as a closer, he's used as a starter, and uh, all-conference guy, I believe, uh, playing both positions. So yeah. he's got some versatility, which I'm sure – is going to come in very handy as he progresses through the minors and hopefully gets that call up to the big league club. It's a work ethic thing with him. You know, there are some people you can look at when you're young. Uh, another buddy of mine, Ryan Tucker, he, um, I was good friends with him from, you know, 10 to 15. And you could just tell some guys are just, uh, they're just a little different with how, how much they are interested. The work doesn't bother them. Bubba was like that always. His dad, um, his dad pushed him and Bubba loved it. He, he loved it. He was at practice uh, for every time. Every time I coached him, he was always there an hour early doing baseball drills, running with his dad. Uh, they would run miles all over. I'm, I'm sure his dad still does. I'll ask Bubba when he gets on with us in a little bit. He just, you could just tell, you know, Mike, when you're young, you could see it, it, it a little bit differently. He wanted it. He, he always wanted it before practice, after practice. He always wanted to win too. So very excited. Had to pull some strings to get him on, though, uh, Bubba. So I had to promise him, uh, you know, uh, uh, some pizza later. He used to like the the pizza back in the day from Roundtable, I think, when he was 10. So. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we'll, we'll get Bubba on in segment two. What do you think of that Bama-Georgia game? It was a Saban masterpiece. How do you do – honestly, though, how do you make that move? How, you're down 13 nothing at halftime. Uh, your quarterback hurts who led you to the national championship last year, did not win, has another incredible year with coming in with only one loss. He beats Clemson in the semifinal. Um, he's only like three for eight. He had 21 yards. He was rushing okay. That's main, mainly what Hurts does. They didn't ask Hurts to really throw the ball downfield all year. And now he's won you down. 25 out of 27 lifetime games. 25 yeah. and two is a starter. Do you imagine how quick like the trajectory changes for a player like that? Like Jalen Hurts... Comes into the game, and he's on top of the world. Really, he's a, you know I'm I'm starting quarterback for Alabama right now. Um, I'm trying to win a national championship, and then an hour later, after Tua comes in on that first drive, everybody's saying where where is Hurts transferring to? It's, isn't it quickly how? Isn't it amazing how quickly the perspective changes for one player who just goes from being on the top of the world at, at Alabama? Let's talk a little bit about. Did you see the post game interview that he gave? Which I thought was incredible. I mean, I am a bitter, petty fool. I am self-absorbed. I have a, you know, I, I want to always, I think I'm the best at everything I do, you know. And I think a lot of us are like that. We want to be that way when you work hard. For him to, to show the kind of poise that he showed after when they interviewed him. And honestly, I genuinely believed what he said. He said, I believe in Tua. He's a star. He had it. He needed, we needed him to, to take it to us. I'm just glad we won. This is what I've wanted. He just wanted to be a national champion, and he is. Really good character guy. That's 
very, very evident from the way he conducted himself during the game. He wasn't sitting, you know, far end of the bench pouting with head down or anything like that. He was super engaged in the game, super supportive. He was an ultimate team player during the game in the press conference afterwards. I know there's going to be a lot of talk about transferring and this and that. I'm not so sure he does. You, you only have to go back a couple of years to when Ohio State had th- a three-headed monster at the quarterback position, and somehow, some way, it kind of just ends up working out. You kind of need to have that depth anyways, and I don't think that Jalen Hurts really projects as an NFL quarterback, so maybe his path to the league could be like a Terrell Pryor where he switches positions or you know, they maybe implement some type of wildcat where now you have two guys that could throw the ball, two guys that could run the ball. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what happens, but I'm sure Saban will be able to convince him to stay where would you want to go after Alabama anyways? I mean, you're at the top of the world. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. But in terms of the game itself, here's what I couldn't help but think throughout that second half comeback. It's so Belichickian. And what I mean by that is when you look at each of the championship games in football, NFL-wise, college-wise, that we have uh, witnessed over the last 12 months, the Patriots come back against the Falcons, Alabama's come back against Clemson. The thing that stri- strikes me is how these masterful coaches are able Georgia. to keep their teams, uh, I'm sorry, against Georgia, able to keep their teams engaged throughout the process, one play at a time, you know, type mentality where they're chipping away with field goals and they're not panicking. They're not going for it on fourth and 13. They're sticking with their game plan. Nothing changed in the second half. There was just better execution for Alabama, just like there was a better execution for the Patriots. So these, these guru head coaches, that's the thing that sticks out to me is how they're able to keep their teams focused and not panicking, not getting sloppy, sticking to the game plan. And they're able to have these amazing comebacks. I mean, it was what, 20 to seven, then 20 to 10. They're just chipping away very methodologically. And I loved seeing that. And it was an exciting game, came down to the wire. I always hate seeing college kickers miss any kicks, but that game just through and through, super exciting, loved it. One thing I heard, which I hadn't heard before, and I thought was interesting, I was listening to the Behind the Bets podcast. And, you know, circumstance, Jalen Hurts was a little bit sick um, the month, in the last month or so. So Tua was actually getting lots of reps with the number ones in the leading up to the bowl games. So what's interesting, if Jalen Hurts isn't sick, maybe Tua isn't getting those extra reps with the ones. And that was what I think Nick Saban saw and said, you know, that we may have to use this guy as a weapon at some point. If we're down, this may be the card that we have to play. So it's always interesting. It's one thing that leads to another. It's kind of a domino effect. Who knows? If Hertz doesn't get a little sick and Tua doesn't need to take more of those reps over the few weeks leading up to the bowl games, then maybe they don't. You know, maybe Saban isn't confident enough to make that move right then. Um, Tua Tagovailoa. I just say Tua. Tua Tagovailoa. You know what? It's it looks harder to say than it really is because it pretty much it, you pretty much say it just like it looks. If you just don't be scared and you just look at the name and just say it, that, that's basically how it is. For and, me, uh, it's 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 Greek Freak. It's Tua. Uh, Tua's you know, great. And I, did, I think did the, he look the easier like, path. Uh, and, and not only he kind of looks like Russell Wilson a little bit, but after the game, he sounded very like a combo of like Russell Wilson plus Tebow. He's very religious and he's very humble. And, uh, 
Yeah, I think he's going to be a star. Um, I, we obviously saw a star. He's already a star, but um, there are going to be a lot of eyes on him uh, over the next few years because he's going to be one of the faces, I think, of college football after that performance. There, he sure will be. And on the other side of the coin, uh, on the Georgia side, Jake Fromm, who is a true freshman, great freshman season, he's now listed as the Las Vegas Heisman favorite for 2018. He's a 10-1 to to uh, win the Heisman Award. Second goes to his teammate, running back DeAndre Swift at 14 to 1, Penn State's quarterback Trace McSorley at 14 to 1, and Wisconsin's running back Jonathan Taylor at 14 to 1. So that's some early 2018 Heisman talk, but let's not forget about Jake Fromm. Great year he had, the great run that Georgia made. They exceeded everyone's expectations. Kirby is obviously an elite coach, but you and I talked about it last week. Saban gets the best of his assistants year in, year out. What is it now? 12 and 0 after that game against his former assistant. So, absolutely amazing job by Saban. Speaking of which, what do you think about him staying in Alabama versus this New York Giant talk? I guess Bruce Arians came out and kind of made some comment on Colin Cowherd's show saying that the job that's coveted by Saban is the Giants one. Then he came back later and took it back and said he was just kind of kidding and playing around. But overall, whether he's kidding, whether he's not kidding, what do you think of Saban going back to the pros? He already had one stint with the Miami Dolphins. He went 15 and 17. Wasn't terrible. Wasn't great. Seemed to kind of be turning the corner with that team before he jumped ship and went to Alabama, his dream job. But overall, what do you think? Do you think he stays and and ends up being kind of like the the John Wooden of, 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 of football and has a number of championships that can never be exceeded and rides out into the sunset, maybe go to the announcer's booth or commentator or the media side, or do you think he takes one more shot at the NFL? No, no, he's not going anywhere. I, well, I don't think, I, why would he? He's, a, he's the number one man at Alabama. Um, he can do whatever he wants there. It's his world. Everybody else is just living in it. I, I don't see why he would go anywhere else unless he's going to get a situation or a scenario where he can get like total control somewhere. But in that, and in that case, he's going to be, you know, completely taking over a pro. And I don't know if he wants to do that again. You know, he's getting older now. Um, I don't know if he wants to go somewhere and completely start all the way over again. Um, I just, I can't see, I, I don't see it. I just, I don't think he's going to, going to go back again. He just he has total control there, and and it just to me it doesn't it doesn't make a lot of sense. I mean, I, I don't know if he's if he still sees that as a challenge. Some people did remember Pete Carroll who was dominating at USC for a while. He didn't have the most successful first stint in the NFL. We, we see it happen often, but I just to me I don't see it. I don't see it. And I'm not sure that Pete Carroll would have. I mean, this is a whole separate episode uh, that you and I could talk about, but I don't even know if Pete Carroll would have if, if there wasn't trouble brewing at USC. But I think you make a good point. I don't see it happening. I think some of the people that are talking about it are saying, well, look, the New York Giants have, I believe it's a second overall pick, so he is going to have his choice of quarterbacks. He could take some of his Alabama defensive guys later on in, during the draft. He knows the college scene very, very well, so should have a little bit of an edge in terms of this upcoming draft. He could build his own team, and he could be a hero in New York. I'm like you, though. I don't see it. I mean, yeah, there's some SEC pressure, but it ain't like the New York media. Stay, stay, stay at Alabama, and you're you're king of the world. I'm not sure anything like that could be accomplished in New York unless he wins a Super Bowl year in year out. Well, we got about two minutes left before the uh, the end of the segment, and then we're going to bring Bubba in for uh, our next segment. Quick question for you now because you're the Raider fan what do you think about the John Gruden hiring 
here's my take on it. I think it's a great move. Now, with that said, I actually thought that John Gruden, the first time around, with the Raiders, with Tampa, and before that as a coordinator, was maybe a little bit overhyped. You know, he was able. Agree. You know, he was able to really build a uh, a brand and the Chucky, and he kind of went along with it. And he was a fan favorite and had crazy expressions on the sidelines. And this aura kind of grew. I think he's a really good NFL head coach. I don't think that he's a top-tier Belichick type of head coach. But with that said, I think he's going to do a great job with the Raiders. I don't buy into any of this stuff about, you know, hey, the game is a lot different than the last eight years. Sure, it's different. But you know what? It's different for everybody. And any head coach is going to have to change his game every two to three years and adapt. You know, teams go or the league overall goes from – you know, uh, a power running game to a wildcat game to, you know, shotgun offenses to, I mean, there's always an evolution, especially offensively speaking in the NFL and defensively too. So you're always going to have to adapt and adjust whether you've been in the game the last few years or not, I think is somewhat irrelevant. We saw Dick Vermeil come back and win championship. So I don't think that's going to be an issue. Bottom line to answer your question, I think he's going to do a terrific job. Obviously it's a very difficult division, NFL has so much parity year in, year out. You're going to see different teams at the top of the division standings. I can see the Raiders winning. I think he'll do a really good job with Carr. We saw him do it with uh, Gannon, who was a lifetime journeyman backup. And he got to um, the Raiders and became an MVP and won passing titles. So I think Carr is better than Gannon at the same stages in their careers. I'm not a big fan of this move. I just... um... You know, just going through his record when he got to Tampa, twelve and four, seven is the Super Bowl champion year. Then seven and nine, five and eleven, eleven and five, four and twelve, nine and seven, nine and seven. So after that Super Bowl year in his last six, he he didn't he only hit double digit wins once in the the two thousand five year. It sounds uh, a little funny, but Gruden was a few years ago, and and recently a lot of people liked him as an announcer, and he's fun. He's got good personality on there as a, the NFL um, the the color guy on Monday Night Football, and for what he does. But then Romo came in, and to me, uh, I heard some people say this too. Now, since I've heard Romo, when I hear Gruden, I've always I started scratching my head, going, "Man, Romo's a lot better than him as a as an analyst. Like he's calling stuff out, and he's he's a little more critical, and uh, he's like predicting stuff a little more. He's not quite as fluffy. And I wonder if that's going to be the case with Gruden. Now, there's going to be there's two John Grudens. There's the John Gruden that we see on TV, and there's the John Gruden, the coach. So I don't think he's a, a necessarily a big fluffy guy. Um, in the locker room, but I am a little worried and I, I don't, I, I don't know um, they, they still need a lot of moves personnel wise. That's the key. I mean, this defense needs a lot of improvement offensively. I think they have some of the weapons, but uh, you know, running, running back wise, are you, how many more years are you going to get out of Lynch? If any, who knows? I'm not sure about this one, Mikey, we're going to have to revisit this in a year or two and, uh, and, and we'll see, but I'm I'm not I'm not a big fan. I'm not a big fan. I think he's a little overhyped. I think the the fact that he's been on TV um, is what makes everyone kind of know his name and and think he's he's an incredible coach. But as you mentioned, yeah, he's not. He doesn't have like Belichickian numbers, or he's just not a, not too high over 500 overall. You know, a 95 and 81 coach. So we'll see how he does. I would like him and the Raiders to be good though, because I think the Raiders being one of the marquee teams in the league, when they're good, it's good for football and it's fun. And, and it'll be interesting um, as they get the move into Vegas in, uh, in just the next couple of years. Yeah. The NFL is definitely a lot more fun of a, of a league to watch when you have teams like the Raiders doing well. I will make one quick excuse for his Buccaneers 
track record. So obviously he came in, inherited a really good Dungy team. They won the Super Bowl. What not a lot of people talk about is this. He was traded over to the Bucks. Now, when that happened, they gave away a lot of picks. They had to trade away two firsts and two second rounders. So I think that handcuffed them quite a bit. They were also up against it salary cap wise with a lot of the moves, especially on the defensive side of the ball. My man Simeon and and Sapp and Brooks and and all those guys. Uh, you know, I think he had a, a inherited a great team, but it was a difficult situation for the future. So I'm not making an entire excuse for him to get him off the hook. I'm just saying I think there were some reasons why the Buccaneers took a dip. We're up against the clock here, G. Let's take our first commercial and then come back and visit with our first guest, Baba Derby. So please stay with us. We'll be back in about 30 seconds. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. If you're looking for more information on firearms and the shooting sports, check out Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan. Kelly is the owner of McMillan Fiberglass Stocks with over 40 years of experience. Now he's ready to share some industry luminaries and their perspectives with you. If you're interested in firearms, whether it be for shooting, for fun, competition, hunting, or self-defense, Kelly is here to share his wisdom and experience. Listen live for Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan, Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby on Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back. Mike and Gino talking some sports, finishing up our NFL conversation about John Gruden. And uh, after our next guest, we'll talk a little bit more about the NFL and NFL playoffs and give our selections and go, go over each of the matchups one by one and hopefully get a few callers and field some of your questions and Oh, yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Um, Give out the number, too, for anyone that's listening. uh, 1-888-346-9144. If you want to give us a call in the last segment, the last uh, 15, 20 minutes, we will be taking your calls and we will be getting your uh, NFL playoff picks for the weekend. And any talk about the playoff uh, pick'em contest as well. Yeah, Yeah. we'll mention the pool. Dave Weaver, ice-cold Dave Weaver, is atop the standings at the moment, but still plenty of opportunity over the next few weeks. So, Yeah, let me talk about a quick transaction, by the way, that happened today, and it's a perfect segue for our conversation, if I may. I don't know if you saw this or not, but uh, there was a Major League Baseball signing that happened. Uh, Chris Davis of the Oakland A's avoided salary arbitration today, 
and signed for ten and a half million. I'd suspect that if uh, they went to arbitration, I don't know, maybe the A's would be able to get him for nine. Maybe Chris would be able to sign for eleven or twelve. They kind of met in the middle and avoided arbitration and that kind of nasty process when teams talk about you know how you're not as 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 good of a hitter as 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 you know you think you are and you strike out a lot and there's a lot of bad blood that comes out during this arbitration stuff. So it was good to see that happen. It's interesting because. Chris Davis being tucked away in Oakland doesn't get a lot of hype necessarily, but he's second in the majors in the last two years behind Stanton in home runs. Stanton has 86 over the last two, and Davis has 85 home runs. So uh, interesting signing today. And quick trivia question for you, Gino. Why did you, you know who Chris, Chris Davis? Do you know who Chris Davis was traded for? Do you know how he became an Oakland A? I do. I do. You're not going to stump me on Bubba Derby trivia. That, that's the one. And we're going to bring in uh, a good friend of mine. I had the privilege of coaching Bubba in soccer way back when Bubba was 10 years old. I've no- Bubba, is it crazy that I've known you now for, what, 15 years? Doesn't it make us feel a little bit old now? It makes us feel like family, Gino. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're absolutely Love right. It. Well, I, I'm very happy to have you on uh I, Good morning, uh, Baba. Yeah, we Good welcome morning, you. Good morning, thank love you. Love you. Love your family. Of uh, probably of all the people out there, when when you watch someone and you see them grow up and you see how well they're doing, I could not be more proud of you. Mentioned last year, uh, you had an incredible little three game spurt in the middle of June. You went seventeen and two thirds innings with just one earned run, nine hits, and just one walk, sixteen strikeouts, and then you closed the season, Bub. Uh, starting four games, you went three and zero for Colorado Springs, twenty-two and two thirds. You only gave up seven runs, uh, seventeen strikeouts, and six walks. So, what I like to see last year is it seemed like you were coming out of the pen a lot early, but you closed the season starting and throwing a lot of innings. Yeah, yeah, no, um, I started the year in Double A with Biloxi in the bullpen, kind of as a utility pitcher, man. I mean, they put me in the bullpen and said, "Hey, you know, we're gonna uh, we're gonna use you a lot for innings." somebody that we could throw in early in games or, um, you know, late, whatever, it, whatever we need. And, you know, me, Gino, I've been one of those guys, man, where I just tell me, you know, just give me the ball and tell me what to do. And I'm just going to go out and pitch. You know, I'm not going to sit here and be too picky about, uh, no, I'd rather start or no, I'd rather close. Um, especially in this business, you know, they always tell us it's a performance-based business. And as long as I'm, as, a, as long as I'm in a position to perform, that's all I really care about, you know? So, you know, I kind of, I you know, in the game of baseball and in all sports, you know, you uh, you got you got to have some a little a little luck along the way. You know, I mean, you work hard, you do everything the right way, and I believe uh, a little luck can come your way every now and again. You know, so I had a little luck. Uh, you know, there was an opportunity to get a spot start. You know, uh, early early in the in June, I'd say uh, for Double A, and I just happened to do really well. There's the right guy in the stands for us uh, from the front office, and. Um, you know, he believed that I'd I'd be a good fit to to get a little opportunity in AAA as a as a spot starter as well. So you know, it was just kind of one of those things that the train kept rolling. You know, I just kept going up there and just keeping the same mentality of, you know, it's the same game, maybe just a little bit faster. <laughs> you know, so Bubba, it just kind of everything kind of fell into place and worked out well. From LaSalle High School to San Diego State, sixth round pick in 2015 for Oakland, and then we just mentioned traded to the Brewers and. Uh, the Brewers, they took a nice step forward, Bubba, last year. They were 86 and 76. They were second in the NL Central. They were uh, leading for much of the first half and kind of a little bit after the All-Star break, but still a young team, um, and they still have, you know, a little bit of growing to do. But for someone like you and, you know, 
in this organization, uh, you had to be really pleased with what you saw last year, the way the Brewers took strides at the, uh, at the major league level. No, I did. It, there was just a lot of confidence up there, you know, and it's, it, was that, uh, it was that cool way of seeing these guys, you know, going up there and just not putting a lot of pressure on themselves. You know, I, I got to meet, in a, couple, meet a couple of them, and, um, you know, it's just they work hard, man. They, they go out every day. They work hard. They have a good mentality about everything. And the, uh, our GM, David Stern, you know, he's a young GM. But, you know, he was a big part in the Astros rebuilding process. And, you know, you saw them win the, win the World Series this year. He was the assistant GM uh, two years ago with them. So he, uh, you know, like I said, he had a, a big part in building that organization. And then he got the head GM spotted uh, for Milwaukee. And he's kind of doing the same thing, you know. First day in office for him, he started making trades, making calls, and, you know, getting stuff done. So um, I love to kind of see what, you know, what he's doing and his little master plan uh, for, for the Brewers and what he's going to have uh, in store for the future. So I got to ask you, Bubba. So when you're, uh, you know, on, on road trips and, and between games, home or road, and you're kind of t- keeping an eye on what the big league team is doing, how much of there is there a little bit of a, hey, looks like uh, Corey Neville got rocked uh, yesterday or, or Jimmy Nelson got rocked yesterday? <laughs> or, or is it one of those things where you just know when your opportunity arises, you know, it's going to happen. Guys are going to go on the DL. You're also going to progress and, and perform. And it just, when it happens, it happens. I mean, yeah, it's all, it's, it's a hectic, it's a hectic world, man. Um, you know, the, you got to really just take it one day at a time. Um, you know, you can sit there and you can think about it, but it, at the end of the day, it's just going to distract you from that day and what you have to get done that day. You know, there's, especially in AAA, there's a lot of guys that deserve to go up before you do. Uh, well, that's, that was my way of thinking. You know, I would tell myself that. You know, because you had guys in AAA that were 28, 30, you know, 31 with families, and they've been there for a while. They've earned their stripes, and those guys deserve their chance back up there. You know, and uh, the, the right opportunity has to present itself for a young kid. You know, me, I'm still 23 and, and you know, doing well in AAA, and you kind of have to be realistic with yourself. You know, you can hope and you can dream and you can work, but at the end of the day, you you have to be honest with yourself, and you got to know, yeah, I'm doing well, um, but is it really my time? You know, and that's why I like to just take it one day at a time and just kind of keep my head down and work. Now, what wh- what have you noticed being some of the bigger differences between uh, double and triple A hitters? More patience, um, you know. In, in the higher levels, the hitters uh, you could tell, you know, the veterans that the guys that have been around. They're way more patient in the box. You know, they, um, they're usually looking for a certain pitch. They get it. They swing. If they don't, they take. Um, and, you know, that kind of actually plays pretty well into my, my game. You know, I'm not, a, I'm not what you would call a modern-day power pitcher. You know, I'm, I like to model my game more after, you know, a Tom Glavin or a Greg Maddox of, you know, getting ahead, throwing as many strikes as possible, and um, throwing stuff that has a lot of movement. You know, that's, that's kind of just the way I, I like to, to pitch. And, and part of the reality of that is I, I can't sit there and rear back and throw a 98-mile-an-hour fastball. It's just it's not in me. Um, so, what do you, you know, talk about, 93, 94? What works for me. What was that? What do you top out at, 93, 94? Oh, man. Um, I like to usually sit between, you know, anywhere between like 88, 91, 92, um, you know, on a kind of good day. Sometimes it doesn't work out that way, but you have to just figure out what's working that day and you have to utilize it. I was in college. I was a lot, I was higher with my average velocity, but 
I changed my mechanics a little bit, and I don't sit there and try and overpower people anymore. I mean, in college, I was all about just, I need to just throw a fastball by this guy. That's all I need to do. Well, you were, you were closing a little more in college, right? Uh, my freshman year, I was a closer, yeah. Okay. And then from there, I started out. Uh, I went as a starter my sophomore and junior year. So uh, what I know about, uh, about the Derby family is work ethic. That is, that is one thing from day one. Um, Bubba, when you were, uh, as I mentioned, a very, very young kid, you would be there probably an hour or two before the soccer practices that we'd have. You'd stay there an hour or two after the practices that we'd have. You'd be doing baseball drills with your dad. You and Pops would, uh, would take the, what, five or six-mile jog down and sometimes even back from practice. What's your relationship like with Pops now? How often do you talk to him? What kind of advice does he give you? And is he still going on those crazy runs? Oh, man, that guy won't give up. I know, yeah, right? Never. I think mean, he's 56 years old, and every day he still has to go out for his five or six mile, five or six run, mile run. Uh, he could, he could outrun me now, but um, you know, we we, we kind of grew up in a household where there's no excuse. You know, uh, you know, if you don't get a good grade, there's no excuse for it. You didn't work hard enough. Um, you know, if you're not, if you don't play well in a game, there's no excuse. You're not working hard enough. So there's always uh, that, that thing to go back to, you know. And he uh, he was a very big believer on just outworking everybody. There's nobody out, you know, should be outworking you, period. Um, and if there is, then you need to check yourself. Is they're going to make it and you're not? And at the end of the day, there's no excuse for that. So that's just kind of the way my house has been. Uh, my relationship with him is as good as it's ever been. You know, we still talk about baseball. We watch baseball all the time. And uh, now it's at a point where he likes to pick my brain a little bit more than I used to pick his. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's awesome just to kind of be at a high level in the sport that, he loves with his entire life and I love with my entire life. And, um, just to talk about it, you know, at, at that high level now. Now, obviously Bubba to be, um, you know, to get to any professional athletic, uh, level, you have to have good work ethic like you're talking about, but baseball players and pitchers in particular have, um, you know, they're creatures of habit, if you will, they're about routine right. and that type of thing. So my question for you is, have they implemented the pitch clock in, at any of the levels that you've been playing at? And if so, how much does that take you or maybe some of the other guys out of your routine? They have, yeah. The past two years, there's been a pitch clock there. Um, now, you got to, you know, sometimes the umpires at the, in the minor leagues aren't going to be as strict about it. You know, I've seen the pitch clock run out before and they don't say anything. No, what's, what's supposed to happen? Is that, like is, that a ball? is that an automatic ball? Is that what's supposed to well, happen? Is if, if, it's, if it's the pitcher who's late, then it's an automatic ball. If it's the batter who's late getting in the box, then it's an automatic strike. Gotcha. So for me in particular, I mean, I, um, the first year that I had it, it took a little bit getting used to because, you know, every inning I go out to the mound, I'll throw my warm-up pitches, the infielders will give me the ball, and then I kneel down and I, I kind of, in my head, you know, I'm, I'm a re- pretty religious person. I, say, I t- tell myself a little prayer that I've, um, kind of come with, come up with when I was in high school. Then I tell myself a few things, and then I just kind of quickly I get up and I get after it. Um, usually I'm, I'm, you know, back on the mound within 10 seconds left, and that's when you're fine. Now, where, where is it located when you're on the mound and you're you're a right-handed pitcher? So, is it are there two? One placed for if you're a lefty, one placed if you're a, a righty. Yeah, usually they'll have them placed uh, pretty close to each dugout. So out of the corner of my eye. You know, I'm looking past the batter to the right, and I can see it. And if I'm a lefty, I'm looking, you know, past the, the catcher and the umpire, and I can see it to my left. 
so it's there. There's, there's no reason not to see it. Um, and then there's also one that's always got to be in the outfield so that the hitter can see it. And the Gino, what do, you, what do you think about the, the clock, Gino? Are, are you hoping to see it in the bigs? Yeah, I mean, it's as long it, it's good. It speeds it up a little bit. And I, I don't see, I think, like, like Bubba was saying, well, once it starts to get implemented a little bit, it's, it's not, I don't think, that big of a deal. We don't have too many Pedro Baez's out there who really just slow the game down anymore. I think most people want to kind of be quick and kind of, um, catch the hitter off balance a little bit. So it, I like it. It doesn't bother me. It's it's kind of moving things in the right direction. It's kind of trying to speed, keep the game going and keep the game moving, um, which I think is good. And uh, um, we are, what, about four or five minutes away from the break. So we got to get to a couple uh, a couple stories with Bub here before with Bubba Derby, um, future MLB All-Star. I can say it. Bubba can't say it yet, but I will say it for him because uh, I believe. Bub, let's talk about what happened uh, earlier this year. Off-seasons for most are um, taking a little time off with the family and then working hard. But for you, you had quite a tumultuous off-season. You went to Vegas uh, for a family vacation. You were at a concert. You're with, uh, you know, your sisters, brother-in-law, brothers-in-law, one of which, Madison, who happens to be a, a firefighter. And then you are in the midst of this horrific event. Just take us through a little bit what happened on your end uh, that day, bub. Yeah, man. I mean, it was, uh, it was Sunday. Um, you know, we'd been there, uh, we, you know, we'd gone to the concert Friday and Saturday and just had the time of our lives. You know, my whole family were all big country music fans. Um, it was actually the first concert that I'd ever gone to with my family. I'd gone before, uh, to other country concerts and, you know, I loved every minute of it, but this one, you know, it started out, uh, you know, we were tired just cause it was Sunday and, um, you know, in, in this kind of situation, there were a ton of what ifs. Um, when you look back at it, but you know, I was in, I was about a hundred yards away, uh, watching Jason Aldean with my aunt, my cousin and his girlfriend, my sister and my brother-in-law who the firefighter, uh, who's the firefighter. They had stayed back, uh, by the food vendors cause they were tired. It was, like I said, it was Sunday and everyone was just kind of worn out. Um, but we're just standing there and you know, the, you hear like these really loud, like four pops out in the distance. Um, and everyone thought it was either the speakers or we thought it was a uh, firecracker, somebody being stupid, like outside the venue, just, you know, whatever. Um, so nobody really does anything. And it's kind of funny. My aunt who, uh, you know, works for El Monte PD, uh, she's not as a cop, but she works in their offices. Uh, you know, she kind of leaned over and said, honey, I think those were, I think those were gunshots. And I, you know, I, myself, I, I had gunshots. I've done shooting before. And to me, it didn't sound like that. Um, so I, I told her, I laughed at her. I was like, no, I'm, I'm Monica. I was like, I don't, I don't think those were gunshots. I think that's just somebody being stupid. And then probably about another, you know, 10 seconds go by and you just start hearing ring, ringing out nonstop. Um, and kind of when everybody realized what was happening is when Jason Aldean had sprinted off stage. And that's when in my mind, you know, I started like freaking out. So that's when, um, you know, I kind of pulled everybody down and I, we all got down on the floor not knowing, you know, where the shooter was coming from. We, we all thought it was coming from more of like an eye level situation. Like somebody was trying to jump the gate and kind of just ambush the entire crowd. So everybody got down, not knowing that that was actually probably the worst move we could have made because now we're, you know, there's more mass, you know, when you're getting shot at from above. So, you know, you mean like in order to get like, like you put yourself in a position to get trampled, you mean? No, but I'm, I mean, because he was shooting from above. So, you know, if you're standing up, it's a lot harder to hit a target standing up rather than laying yeah, down flat. Your surface area. Yeah. If you're laying across exactly. the ground, there's just more. Yeah. 
there's more surface area for you to get hit. Now, did everybody get down, or did some people run, or both? Some people ran, um, and we got down, and when the shooting stopped the first time, um, everybody tried getting up, and I looked behind us and in front of us, and I said, there's thousands of people all trying to run out at the same time. It's kind of a pick-your-poison moment. Do you want to get trampled, or do you want to take a chance and try and find an opening? So I kind of made the comment, I was like, wait it out, wait it out, because, you know, I had my aunt who, you know, she's not going to be fast. Uh, my cousin's girlfriend, she's athletic, but she's very skinny. So if she gets, somebody bumps her, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like it would affect her. So it was kind of that moment where I think we should wait it out for a few more seconds and just kind of just pray, you know? So, uh, Baba, let, let's, let's, let's do this. That, this is a perfect segue uh, for, for a quick commercial break. Would you be okay. able to hang on with us for uh, for another segment and we can keep talking about this? Because this is fascinating. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Okay, so we'll, we'll, awesome. we'll pause at the, at the prayer. And when we come back, we have more with Bubba Derby, Vegas Strong, Vegas Shooting, The Massacre. He'll give us all the details from that point moving forward. So stay with us. This should be an epic story. We already know it's an epic story. Bubba's a hero, and we're really appreciative to have him on with us. We'll be back in just a few short seconds. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fans' perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network and let's talk football. Get ready for the Get Down with Hurley Brown. Want to get inside of the minds of the players and coaches? We'll talk everything sports, but with a focus on the NFL, NBA, and college football. We'll review and preview the week's big games. We'll talk about the draft choices and free agents and go inside the teams for news, recruiting, and what's next from the colleges to the pro teams. It's the Get Down with Hurley Brown, Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific, on Voice America Sports. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back, everyone. Mike and Gino talking to Bubba Derby, who was... uh, right there smack dab in the middle of the Vegas shooting and where we left off was Bubba telling us uh, about, about the scene, what was going on. And uh, at, at this point in time, Bubba, you were, you were telling us that you, you, you know, you're, you're a spiritual, spiritual person, a religious person, you were saying a prayer and why do you take it from there? I mean, yeah, it was, uh, when I say prayer, it was just like a, a, a please God moment. 
you know, please don't let this happen. And um, I just remember when we were down, when I kind of, when we realized when it, when it finally kind of set in, like, okay, we need to, it's like that fight or flight moment in your body that goes, you know, that you go through. I remember turning around, I was kind of like surveying um, my family members, you know, and I saw my cousin was laying on top of his girlfriend. Um, I had, I don't even want to say subconsciously, but I pulled, there were these two women in front of me. Uh, they were in a larger group of uh, like five or six women. And I pulled them down and tried to lay on top of them. Um, and then I, I, I turned around and I saw my aunt who was laying on the ground. And I was like, the, there was just like a moment that like we froze in time. And I just remember, and I'll never forget, like looking into her eyes. And it was that moment, like not one word was said to each other, but it was like the moment of like, are we about to die? You know, because unfortunately we were kind of in the heart of, uh, you know, where most people ended up dying and getting shot. So, you know, when I look back on it, I mean, it's, it's astonishing that no, none of us in my party got hit. None of us. Uh, I don't know how, and I'll never understand until the day I die. But um, all I can do is I can just say, thank God. I mean, you know, God, you know, and it's kind of one of those things, and I don't, I'm not bringing religion to anything, but, you know, when people say, like, how, how does God have to do with this? And I say, he doesn't. You know, it, it, this was, God had no, nothing to do with this. This was the devil coming out in his strongest form. Um, and God did what he could to, to save as many people. You know, when you think about it, you know, you have a man 38 floors, uh, 32 floors up with all the ammunition, all the guns in the world, 20 something thousand people down there. You know, he, I know he hit what, like 600 people. It's almost astonishing not to think like how many more could he have hit? So I don't know. I, it, there's so many, like I said, there's so many what ifs that go through my head as a, as a survivor that saw some of the worst things you could possibly imagine there. Um, but it, it's just how your mind works, I guess. And like I said, the day I die, man. And then, you know, we ended up getting up uh, a few seconds later when I saw an opening and, um, you know, I'm running with these two girls that I had covered and it, out of nowhere, I just had their hands and it was just a thing of like just instant trust. Um, I trusted them and they trusted me and I barely even knew their names. I didn't know their names till about an hour and a half later. Um, but you know, they trusted me and I, I, we just, we ended up running and we got to cover and we got away. And, you know, some of the worst stuff that we saw was later on when you see all these people in the, in the, uh, laying down covered in blood and just, you know, I could go into very graphic detail, but it's not appropriate. And, um, but just so that you guys understand, like kind of, how my mind is in this situation. It was a very, here. very long night. <laughs> here with Bubba Derby, a uh, future Major League Baseball player. Bubba is a triple A right now for the Milwaukee Brewers, and he's getting set to just about a month or so before he's going to report um, for the start of the 2018 season. But Bubba, we want to talk about something going on this weekend that you're involved in. Um, we, you have a, a fundraiser coming up that I, that was – very near and dear to my heart. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about the event that you have this weekend? Yes. Um, I have a very good buddy of mine. He's in the big leagues with Tampa Bay. His name's Daniel Robertson. Um, you know, he's, he's a, a local baseball player from Upland, California. He, um, I believe that he lost a very close family member to him uh, due to cancer. So his family started uh, what they call the Daniel Robertson Family Foundation. 
Um, this is the second year they're doing it. Um, they're out in uh, a gym called PFA Sports in Upland. They are hosting um, this foundation where yeah, there's probably about eight, eight to ten uh, professional baseball players that will be there. Uh, it's $10 a person. Uh, kids come and they get to hang out and meet the baseball players. There's haircuts, there's food. Um, it's just going to be a fun, a fun day from 12 to 4 in Upland. And um, all the proceeds, I believe, are going to benefit uh, cancer foundations and cancer research. So it's something that um, I hold close to my heart. I lost my grandmother last year to stomach cancer. Um, you know, we had you, Gino, that, uh, you know, I prayed for you, brother, every day. Your family um, came to visit me strong. in the hospital many times, and you were right there, too. I will never forget that. Yep. Of course, man, of course. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of people uh, everywhere that have been affected by cancer one way or another. So, Myself included, I lost my mother uh, at a very young age. She was 52. And so, uh, yeah, the gr- great cause. And uh, tell us how we can get involved. Yeah, just by promoting it, you know, just uh, – Put it out on a page, do whatever. Um, it's this Saturday from 12 to 4. They do it once every year. Uh, it's just a great cause, man. It's just a great way that um, to get kids involved and have a little fun, uh, make it a nice, positive day, and at the end, you know, at the end, uh, you know, just promote the uh, the the research and uh, helping out people that have, have suffered one way or another. Well, we'll definitely tweet out that link. Uh, we've got, uh, obviously, for those who are in the Southern California area that can make it live, uh, we encourage you to do so. We've also got nationwide and international listeners. So we'll definitely do our part, Bubba, and tweet out the link. And uh, Bubba, I assume people can man. make donations. Yep. Excuse me? You're the man. You're the man, yeah, Bubba. Thank you. <laughs> We will uh, we'll tweet it. We'll send it out on Facebook. We'll do whatever we can to help you out. We really appreciate you coming on with us. And we are going to look for your name. And we're going to be following along with you. And one thing that I've gotten from everybody when we promoted it, how many people come up to you and say, man, you got a great, you got a great sports name, don't you? Bubba Derby. We've <laughs> known that from day one. You got it. Your, your name was uh, up in yeah. lights from, uh, from very early on. So you need to fulfill the prophecy, my friend. Hey, I'm going to do my best. One day at a time, right, brother? Yep, we will follow you on Twitter at BDerby11. We will push uh, and promote the link and the all the information for your fundraiser this weekend. Bubba, we'll, uh, we'll have to get you back on in the middle of baseball season, and we'll continue to track your progress. Thank you so much for coming on with us, buddy. Thanks, uh, Bubba. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate your help today. I appreciate you coming on with us, my man. Bubba Derby. Awesome. Yes, Thanks, Bubba. Gino, let's... Uh, Let's take some callers. What do you say? Let's do it. We uh, we we held with Bubba a little longer because he had some great stories. And we Fascinating to story. On, but we got to go through some rapid NFL playoff selections for this weekend. So we're down to uh, the final four games. So the uh, the the eight teams left, and we have a caller on right now. I think we have two callers on hold. Let's yes, we first, do. Let's first yeah, let's- go to James in Pasadena. James, this weekend, NFL playoffs, who do you like? And, uh, well, first of all, who do you root for in general? Uh, Gino, Mike, what's going on? Well, what's Eagles up, James? are my team. Uh, Eagles are my team, but even though we're in it, we're definitely still limping in there, so I'm not very confident. So Eagles, Atlanta, Atlanta looked good last week beating the, uh, beating the Rams on the road. I think the spread is around three right now. If I put a gun to your head, James, which, uh, which direction are you leaning? Uh, well, you know what? I wish uh, that 
solar blast or whatever was going on in the East Coast, and it was going to be like five degrees, maybe we'd have a shot. But, <laughs> you know, my heart's going to be with my Eagles, of course, but I'm not, not prepared to put any money on it. Little, little insulting that they're the one seed at home and are underdogs. Yeah, well, I mean, you lose Wentz, who, you know, legitimately should be the MVP in my mind. I'm a little biased, but um, I don't know what you guys think about it. But you lose your MVP player, and, uh, you know, that's kind of what you get. Well, uh, we have Atlanta, Philly. Uh, I'm, I'm actually, you know, there's so many people jumping on the Atlanta bandwagon now. I, I think I got to stick with Philly. Initially, I was probably going to go Rams at Philly, but I think Philly, um, you know, Atlanta got two forced fumbles last week versus the Rams. They scored 10 points off of those, and I wasn't really impressed with Atlanta most of the year. They played very well last um, last week. I think that was probably the best game they played all throughout the season, but it will be interesting to see. Of the other three games, James, uh, do you have any strong opinions in any of them? Pitt, Jags, Pats, Tennessee, Vikings, New Orleans? Give us a rapid I mean, fire because we've got a couple minutes left and got to get mad yeah, at as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd say it's, it's got to be Pitt and New England, right? I feel like it's yeah. just fateful that they meet up again. Um, but I would really like to see the Jags D come up and uh, just kind of blitz Roethlisberger like they did earlier in the year. Uh, the other game in the NFC is going to be great, that Saints game. Um, you know, Saints going to Minnesota. Minnesota's obviously very tough at home. But the Saints, obviously, they can play in a dome. And I don't know, I like Kamara. I like uh, their defense has gotten a lot better. And Breeze is obviously the man. I feel like you might take the points in that game and get in about five or so, huh? Yeah, I will. And then, you know, I mean, Breeze has been there. You never know about Keenum. James from Pasadena, thank you very Thanks, much. James. We'll be rooting for the Eagles for you this weekend. And uh, best of luck, buddy. Yeah, thank you, guys. Let's awesome. get to our next caller. Let's go to Matt in Los Angeles. Matt, Matt. good morning. Hey, what's up, Mike and Gino? Thanks for having me on. What's up, Matt? What's so, on Matt, your mind who's, today? Who's your team? Who's your uh, Who's your NFL team? My team is the Steelers, and I cannot wait for Sunday so we can uh, get some revenge on the Jaguars for kicking our butts earlier this season. Let me throw out a stat at you guys, okay? And I hate to be the bearer of bad news, Matt, but since 2012, so five-plus years, there have been 13 teams to face off in the playoffs after losing to that team by 20 points or more in the regular season. Those teams went 1-12 and 12 in the postseason rematch. The lone win was the 2014 Ravens. They avenged a 20-point loss to your Steelers and won. That was the lone winner in the last 13 times this scenario has come up. What, what do you? Th- how, how are they going to buck this trend? Blake Bortles, that's how, right? Uh, I will say it was uh, like the worst game of his career. So no way he's going to play as bad as that. Plus, I really feel like Fournette's going to hit that rookie wall, and uh, it's going to be really cold weather. So I feel like just it favors uh, the Steelers in this one. Yeah, you know, like I got a little bit of a bad connection, but so the home field advantage is what it sounds like, Edgy. Yeah, and I think I think Matt made a good point. Like Fournette had a great start to the year, but I think recently he he hasn't really been hitting the holes the very same way. So um, Matt, I'm kind of with you. Initially, I wanted to take the Jags, but you know you hear all the buzz and how many times Roethlisberger's probably had to watch this game over or hear about what happened earlier this year. I can't imagine we see anything close to that. So I think the game will be you know, a little closer. I wouldn't be against anyone taking the Jags with the seven points, but I don't think they can beat Pittsburgh here. So I'm with you, Maddie. We, we're probably going to see that Pittsburgh-New England matchup, right? Yeah, definitely. It's definitely going to be Pittsburgh-New England and uh, 
probably going to be a rematch of that great game earlier in the season. And then in the NFC, I like uh, I like actually Philly with that set. I don't know what the, that earlier wow. caller, James, he, I guess he doesn't really... Uh, Believe in his team. His Gosh, team, I know. But, and then yeah, Saints-Vikings like Vikings for the last one. I like the Saints. There you have I it like for Matt. Well, thank one, yeah. you for the call, Matt. Definitely appreciate it. We've Matt got a lot of dogs in the NFC. Yeah. Thank you, Matty. Have a good one. All right. Thank you. G- Gina, we got about a minute and change left. Who are your four picks for this weekend? I'm going Philly at home. I, I you know, I just think there's too much Atlanta buzz. Um, I'm going to go Pittsburgh, the Pats, and I'm going to go the Vikes. So for me, the conference finals will be Minnesota actually having to go to Phillies. They're going to have to leave Minnesota, I think. And then it's going to be the uh, the game that we've all been waiting for, the Pats-Pittsburgh-Steelers game. How about you, Mikey? I'm actually going to be opposite of you on three out of four. I'm going okay. Jacksonville. Yeah, that's been your team all year, though. You, you've, yep. you've had to stay consistent with them. That's been your squad. Had to stay with them all year. New England will uh, will will have another bye week and uh, uh, against Tennessee. The Saints will win on the road, and Atlanta will win on the road, which will mean the Patriots host the Jags. They will win that game, and the Saints will host the Falcons, and uh, that'll be a great, great divisional matchup for the third time, and uh, I'm going to give the uh, edge to the Saints as well. So, you know, A lot of the handicapping this weekend really comes down to what do you think of that NFC division with you know Atlanta, with the Saints, and with Carolina, who lost last week. If you think that division is really, really strong, then you might be picking them to win both games, whereas if you don't think that division is deep, and I, I'm kind of the opposite, I think Atlanta is a little overhyped after that game last week, so I'm going to go against that division and uh, – and we'll have some fun, Mike, because we're going to be against each other. Just a reminder to everyone, don't forget to get your picks in for the Yahoo Sports pool. We'll make sure yes. to send out the links, get to iTunes, give us a nice five-star rating and a review. Absolutely. We thank you guys for listening. Next week, we're going to have Josh Booty joining us and maybe a surprise guest or two. We'll, uh, we'll tweet out the guest lineup. And we thank you for listening. And we'll see you guys one week from today. Have a good one. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a great week.